Hey, Disney fans, looking for the latest in Disney news? And interviews with some of Disney's biggest stars? Well, have we got the podcast for you. Welcome to D23 Inside Disney. I'm Jeffrey from D23. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. And I'm Tony from Good Morning America. And together, we're taking you Inside Disney. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. We're back. Tony, are you like shoveled out now? You know, those <laughs> photos it looked like New York was under like a city's worth of snow. I literally woke up last weekend and was like, nope, I'm good. And have never worn so many layers of pajamas in my life, but <laughs> I'm here. I have to say, I didn't get to build a snowman. However, I did get to watch The Eternals on Ooh. Disney Plus with the new IMAX expanded aspect ratio, which was wow. really fun on my big TV uh, in the middle of a snowstorm. So that was a big treat for me. I love that. Uh, how fun. And Sherry. Sherry. Well, I too watched a brand new film. Don't know if either of you have heard of it. Ooh, it's what? called Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> okay, so it's not new, but it's new to me. I've never seen it before. <laughs> I mean, Sherry, people who listen are going to have some thoughts about the fact that you've never seen Roger Rabbit. <laughs> I know, I know. I was so ashamed that I hadn't seen it before this past weekend. Yes, yeah, so I watched it on Disney+. Plus. Such a crazy movie in all the best ways was so curious about how it was actually made. So I watched the Behind the Ears True Story of Roger Rabbit special, which is also under extras on Disney Plus, Fun. and was so pleasantly surprised to see friend of the pod, Don Hahn, because he yay. was an associate producer on the film. So yeah, as soon as I saw his face pop up, I like screamed, I was like, my friend. <laughs> That's so cool. But yeah, it's such a cool movie. I. If you haven't seen it, you're not alone because I also just saw it. <laughs> oh, Sherry, Sherry. Hurt and Ma are here. <laughs> hey, better to have seen it than not at all, right? Fair, fair. Well, AJ and I have been keeping up on Boba Fett, Book of Boba Fett. The episode that we just watched, which will be one behind when this pod comes out, but we were lots of surprises. I like a good surprise. Nice. Mm. Yes. Perhaps not surprising, though, Encanto maintains the number one position. Can we just talk about this? Like how huge. this is so huge. Yeah, huge. And we don't talk about Bruno, number one, like, and surface pressure is now number nine. Insane. Wow. Yeah. Insane. That is and listen, so cool. The jig is up, America, because we are definitely talking about Bruno. It's true. Mm. it's true. What is, <laughs> all right, so are, is that your favorite song from Encanto? Do you have a, what's your favorite Encanto song? Oh, it's definitely don't talk about Bruno. 100% for me. Okay. Sherry? Oh, yes. Great choice. Okay. My favorite is the Family Madrigal. It's so catchy. Yes. It's been stuck in my head for the past like week, but I don't know all of the words. So I'm just like making things up. <laughs> <laughs> like we're all honorary members of yeah, the Madrigal yeah. family. <laughs> all right. Fair. Fair. How about you, Jeffrey? I really go back and forth a lot. I love both of those songs. Waiting on a Miracle, I love that song. I love a good, like, I want song. I love, like, that, you know, how far I'll go kind of song. I mm -hmm. love Surface Pressure. Love it, love it. All of you, I love that ending. I always cry. I, I, anyway, so I love it all. I, I, but I think Waiting on a Miracle was the first one that came to mind. So congrats to our friends at Disney Music. Congrats to our friends at Disney Animation. So fantastic. Um, and speaking of, of Disney Music, coming up on the pod, 
we have Disney royalty, the fabulous Susan Egan, who I'm sure many of you saw on Broadway as Belle. She also voiced Megara and Hercules. She's got tons of great Disney stories, and she is now touring the country with a bunch of fabulous women and a couple of gentlemen in Disney Princess the Concert. Stay tuned. She's got great stories, including how she ran away from Meryl Streep. So you don't want to miss that. <laughs> yes. Other news, new issue of Disney 23 going to be coming out. Sherry, you're going to love this one. We got Turning Red on the cover. It is amazing. It is a great, great story penned by our new editor-in-chief, Bruce Steele. And intrepid writer Will Keck took a cruise on the Halcyon, the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Lots of great stories in that. D23 Gold members will get that. And you can visit d23.com for more information on that. Other news kicking off this week, Celebrate Soulfully. It's a part of Black History Month. I'm celebrating Black heritage at both Disneyland and Walt Disney World Resort. Some incredible, incredible exhibits, entertainment, food, all of it coming from Disney Springs to Disneyland. It's, it's everywhere. The Soul of Jazz exhibit at the American Adventure Pavilion, which I got to see last year beautiful and that is coming back i'm told there's some some new pieces which is very cool there's some great murals and art displays in uh, disney springs over at disneyland they're getting in on the act this year too. celebrate gospel is going to be coming to the Fantasyland theater with some incredible powerhouse performances so you can visit our friends over at the disney parks blog for more information and say you can't get to a disney park you can still celebrate because Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN Plus, tons of incredible content. D23 has got a fantastic story of everything you can stream and watch, but very cool. Obviously, we've talked about the Proud Family Louder and Prouder comes out on February 23rd, but a couple of cool Hulu titles are going to actually be making it over to Disney Plus, which I think is terrific, including The Summer of Soul or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, the Questlove documentary that I've been really excited to see. I actually have Hulu. I don't know why I've been waiting, um, <laughs> but on February 8th, uh, it will also be on Disney Plus. There's a ton of great content. So looking forward to watching all of that. And sorry, guys, I just talked a whole lot, but there's got to be other stuff going on. Tony, what, what do you got? I mean, a few things. It's so much to look forward to, including this. It's been announced that Disney Live Entertainment will be producing the 2022 Special Olympics USA Games opening ceremony taking place June 5th through 12th at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex at Walt Disney World. Wow. Ooh, that's really so cool. I know, right? Obviously, a little magic to be sprinkled into the opening ceremony is to be expected. Fun fact, Disney will also be the presenting sponsor uh, of the volunteer program for the 2022 Special Olympic USA mm. Games. So mm. lots of fun at Walt Disney World. Love it. Wow. amazing. Very cool. Well, speaking of Walt Disney World, just when you thought the world's most magical celebration couldn't get any more magical... They've proven us wrong because oh. we've got cavalcades, <laughs> we've got parades, more returning faves and new entertainment offerings coming to Magic Kingdom Park in celebration of the 50th. All right, I'm going to run through them real quick. We've got the Disney Adventure Friends Cavalcade, which includes nearly 30 Disney and Pixar characters, and it includes the Magic Kingdom debut of Miguel from Coco in his mariachi best. Aww, this yes. cavalcade kicks off February 11th. Then we've got, whew, this has like such a special place in my heart. 
the Festival of Fantasy Parade is coming back. Yes, I'll be back March 9th. And yes, that does include the fire breathing Maleficent dragon float. Thank you. (laughs) Then we've got Mickey's Magical Friendship Fair. This show is newly enhanced for the 50th. So we've got a new opening, a new finale that have Mickey and friends in their sparkling iridescent fashions and a new song. So that comes back to the Cinderella Castle Forecourt stage February 25th. Wow. Wow. Yes. Fun. So much Feels excitement. like we need a Disney World trip. Ooh, good idea. 100%. And you know, let's, let, let's stay at Disney World, shall we? Let's yeah. park hop <laughs> over to Epcot. If we, uh, yes. I do say so myself, <laughs> time flies because the Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival kicks off next month. I love all the Epcot festivals. This year's festival, of course, runs from March 2nd through July 4th. We've talked so much already about the topiaries, but here's a new nugget for you. A new fragrant garden is coming to World Showcase presented by Scentsy. So fun. So there will be six scent stations, floral, fruity, citrus, spice, woods, and fresh. It sounds like I'm naming off dwarfs, by the way. It does. It does. <laughs> um, all surrounded by butterfly topiaries. And actually, speaking of dwarves, there are going to be new seven dwarf topiaries to accompany Snow White near the Germany Pavilion in World Showcase and a new main entrance display featuring Goofy with a birthday cake celebrating the Walt Disney World Resort's 50th. I mean, we really must schedule a trip together ASAP. This has been a Please. Walt Disney World podcast yeah a lot a lot all right if you had to pick one of those six cents which scent would you pick you know what as i think about this i believe i would probably be a blend of fruity and spice a blend always going for a blend ah thinking (laughs) okay i'm gonna try and pick just one i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with woods Oh, yeah. I even surprised myself. I like that. (laughs) How about you, Jeffrey? Fresh. To me, fresh, it Mm. smells, it's like, you know, one of those, like, I I don't know what it smells like, but I I envision like a sea breeze or laundry detergent (laughs) or something that just makes me happy and feel warm and comfy. (laughs) We'll see. Love that. We will see. But before we visit Walt Disney World, you know what it is time for. It is time. Okay. (laughs) For once, there was no, no peanut gallery. It is time for five fantastic things to watch this weekend, courtesy of our friends at D23, the official Disney fan club. For complete details, visit D23.com. Jeffrey, what's up first? Well, up first, and coincidentally, these three characters are going to be appearing in the new Disney Adventure Friends Cavalcade. We have the three caballeros, Donald, Jose, and Panchito. So... The Three Caballeros, it is their 77th anniversary on Friday, February 4th. So why not watch that on Disney Plus? Nice. And also on Friday, February 4th, it is an entire marathon of Descendants starting at 10.55 a.m. on Disney Channel. Yes. So sing along, dance along with friend of the pod. I'm so honored we can say this now. Sophia Carson. (laughs) Yes. For real. Yes. And if you have not listened to our podcast with her, she was fabulous. Uh, So it's the one right before this one. So enjoy. Mm -hmm. Also new to the Disney Plus library on February 4th is Torn. It's a documentary. We uh, we actually talked about it last week. Max Lowe, who's the son of mountain climber 
Alex Lowe directs this documentary about his father who lost his life on the slopes of a Tibetan mountain. So not necessarily super happy. You might need some Kleenex. I'm ready and uh, looking forward to it. And on Saturday, we've got the 69th anniversary of Peter Pan. So celebrate by giving it a rewatch on Disney+. Plus. And finally, also a friend of the pod, our gal Angie. Yeah, Of course. <laughs> on Sunday, February 6th, starting at 5.40, catch Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, on Freeform. Well, on to today's guest, who has the distinction of creating two iconic roles. The role of Belle in the original Broadway production of Beauty and the Beast and Megara in the animated Hercules. For Disney, she has also appeared in Modern Family, Amphibia, All My Children, NYPD Blue, The Drew Carey Show, and the Disney Channel original movie, Gotta Kick It Up, which you can watch on Disney+. She is currently the belle of the ball in Disney Princess the Concert, which is touring the country now through the end of the year. Please welcome to the pod, the fabulous Susan Egan. Welcome, Woo! Susan. so much. Yay! That was a sweet introduction. Gosh. <laughs> We like running everyone through that because sometimes they don't realize just how much they have. Done. I mean, I feel like you realize how much you've done for Disney, but it is a lot. Oh my gosh. And, and so much fun. And, and like little things keep creeping up too. Like last year I got to do Kristen Bell's series Encore, which was a joy. Ah. You know, listen, I mean, Disney has so many factions and so many fingers and everything. It's, it's really fun to be a part of it. I've been able to perform on the cruise lines. I've done crazy stuff all over the place. I mean, it's, it's fun. I mean, I'm a huge fan of all of your work, but I love Gotta Kick It Up. It's such, <laughs> it's such a great movie. You're the perfect so millennial much. generation. Yes, exactly. Yes. I love it. So Susan, what songs will people be hearing? It is a culmination of everything. Do you know that these, these princess characters have never all been on one stage together ever? Can you believe that? This show is a celebration of the music of all 12 Disney princesses, plus the two Frozen Queens, sung by four Broadway stars who have played these roles on Broadway. We appear as ourselves in some really kicky, beautiful gowns, and we sing the music of several princesses, each of us, we're all divvied up, as well as singing quartets in four-part harmony. And for us, it's a joy because we get to share some behind the scenes stories and love on these characters and kind of pull that curtain back to share what it was like to play them with the audience. But we also get to sing together. You know, we're used to being the one girl that's in the show. So to get to be on stage with four powerhouse women, show our diversity, show our support of one another, and to sing with these voices in the four part harmony that Benjamin Rahula has arranged for us, I mean, we're releasing All Is Found Into the Unknown from Frozen 2. It's a little medley. We're releasing that as a single just so people can get a taste of hearing that with four voices just wah, wailing. It's awesome. So cool. All right, well, that's one of them. What are some of the other songs that, that fans can look forward to hearing on the show? Um, you know, Tried and True, You Love Them, Part of Your World, A Whole New World, How Far I'll Go, of course, Beauty and the Beast medley. My favorite is uh, Almost There, Tiana's song. I mean, every single, you know, Rapunzel, I love Rapunzel. But then we have some sneaky things in there that you might be surprised, but I guess I can spill it here, where I get to play a villain for a moment Ooh. as Mother Gothel. Oh, nice. Wow. Meg is making an appearance. She's a little outside yes. the yes. princess box, but like, I gotta get my girl in there. Because we have Cindy Winters, we get to have Shadowland from The Lion King, which is, <gasps> brings the house down. It 
gives me chills even just talking about it. She's amazing. And guess what? We get a little Anastasia, who is not an official Disney princess, but because of acquisitions, falls under the library. <laughs> kind of a special treat to get to hear it. Do you know? Yeah. Journey mm. to the Past is an epic song. Yes, absolutely. Amazing and it Aarons and Flaherty, like, I mean, it's a oh, great score. Sweet. So They're my favorite. Mm. I did a, the workshop of Ragtime way back in the day. And it's oh, just, wow. they're amazing. They're an mm. incredible team. Well, you touched on this a little because of Meg, because these aren't just princesses, they're Disney heroines. Can, can you talk a little bit about how the princess has evolved over the years? I think it's one of the things that I love the most about Disney is that Disney is staying in the front and leading the change, right? We are all allowed to love Snow White and Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty, and we pay homage to them. And the animation that we have behind us, I should mention, we've got a 45 foot LED screen with the animation edited to our arrangements in ways that are really beautiful. And in that particular medley, we're paying homage that that courage and kindness started with those original three, but because they are the originals, we get to show some scratch animation and how those, not just the princess developed, but how animation developed over the years, which is a thrill. But of course, now we have Merida, who's like, I get to choose my own, maybe never choose the guy. Moana, it's not even a topic that's brought up. Pocahontas. We talk about Nala doing this too. These are women who are supporting their community, who are making difficult decisions in the face of challenges. They don't take the easy path. They define their own destinies. Of course, Mulan is the same. I just did an interview this morning, actually, where the interviewer, a, a male who has a daughter, he says, you know, my daughter, when I asked her what she wants to be when she grows up, she said a Disney princess. And I thought, well, but you can't be a Disney princess. I go, every CEO of a company is a Disney princess. What are you talking about? Like this is any woman who shows leadership, who chooses that difficult path, who understands that courage and kindness are not mutually exclusive, but it takes courage to be kind, to be nurturing, that sometimes the way to move the world forward is through gentle means. These are things that I think are beautiful attributes of all of these characters. Mm. I love how Disney over time has humanized them. I love that my favorite Rapunzel is neurotic as all get out, but she, she <laughs> vacillates between best day ever, I'm a horrible daughter, because that's reality. That's how we all are on any given day and that it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to make mistakes. I've always said this about Belle. People sort of think like, oh, the beast has to learn a lesson. But it's like Belle learns the same lesson. Yes, she doesn't judge a book by its cover, but then she's judging those little town full of little people. That's not a nice sentiment. And she realizes through her own journey that the magic has always been there and that it's, it's the way you choose to see it and the way that you engage in the people around you. And as much as those villagers didn't give her a chance, she wasn't giving them a chance either. And I, I, I could talk forever about this, as you can tell. So well said. I feel so strongly that these characters are, are beautiful. You know, sort of you talking about gotta kick it up and whatever. I think what Disney has learned is that those girls who loved Ariel in 1989 never outgrew it. They just grew up and now they're 35 with daughters of their own. And what this concert does is it lets their daughters love on the characters the way the mom did as a child 
but we're also delivering the material in a way that works at two levels at the same time, one for the kids and one for the adults, um, giving them something a little bit more sophisticated than an arena princess show with face characters, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yes. Totally relatable. All of that. I want that entire answer embroidered on a pillow. That was so inspiring. (laughs) So going back to Belle, you began your Disney career as a princess in Disney's first ever Broadway production. What can you tell us about that experience? First off, I almost didn't go to the audition because I'm like a goofy girl next door type. And so even just the, the description of the characters, the most beautiful girl in the village, I'm like, I've never felt like that. most women never feel like that. So I didn't even think that I could go to that audition. I thought I'm not right for that role. And thank goodness my agent said, you're new to New York. You've never met this casting director. Just go, you'll meet people. (laughs) And what if I hadn't gone? It's the job that is continuing to change my life almost 30 years later. And it's such a testament to not edit yourself that you don't know how your life is gonna unfold. You don't know what the opportunities. Cindy Winters, who played Nala on Broadway, who's in our cast, She says this so beautifully. She says her best advice is to say a slow yes instead of a fast no with every opportunity and every question that comes up in your life. Like consider and try as hard as you can to say yes. Don't do a quick no. So that was my first lesson with Beauty and the Beast. My second was what a beautiful family Disney is and how embracing they were of every person on stage and off stage. Disney understands their audience better than anybody, that they care deeply about their audience. And I'm now executive producer of this concert. So I'm getting to work hand in hand with all these amazing artists and business minds at Disney. And every meeting starts with what is the audience experience? And that is where the focus should be. And I love that. And I think that's why there's a consistency to the quality of work and what Disney delivers. And it's truly an honor to be a part of it from a producing point of view now, you know, as opposed to just that 23-year-old girl who was like, oh, <laughs> You really became a star and a producer in your own right. But was there someone who came backstage who made you starstruck? Yes, all of them. And I mean, I was starstruck by Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg. I mean, this was early days, right? And I loved that they were so hands-on. I love that they were there to give advice, even when times were hard for the 23-year-old of like, wow, we didn't get a great review or people are poo-pooing this as, you know, confection and not serious Broadway. And I remember sitting before an interview and I looked kind of down and, and Jeffrey was like, you know, hey, what's wrong? I go, I go, I just feel like they're punching us like nonstop. He's like, oh we must be doing well. He says, you know, nobody wants to knock you off a pedestal unless you're on a pedestal. And I've always thought about that. And it's softened the blow of anything negative. And that was before social media. Now that there's social media, it's like, oh, okay. It tempers that, which is always a great lesson that I pass along to my teenage daughter. Do you know when it comes to how you navigate socials and and things like that? But were there people I was starstruck by? Yes. I had a really good friend who gave me a Polaroid camera at the start of that run. He says, you know, I have a feeling that any star who has a child will be at your show. And I want you to just have this on your table and take a picture and have them autograph the bottom of it. So I have this album of Demi Moore and Tom Cruise and Warren Beatty and Annette Bening and Steven Spielberg and all of these people who came to see the show that I am to this day mortified and embarrassed 
that when I was told that Meryl Streep was in the audience, it was too much for me. And I ran from the theater. I'm like, I was a sobbing mess and couldn't meet her. And now as a 50 year old woman, I'm horrified that she had a daughter who wanted to meet Belle and I wasn't there. <laughs> but it was like, I was so starstruck. I couldn't do it. <laughs> do it. That is amazing. You touched on this earlier. You got to be a mentor for a production of Beauty and the Beast on Encore. What was that like? It's, it was so neat to have an opportunity to do that with cameras present because I've been doing it for 27 years. Do you know, the moment Disney Junior productions of Beauty and the Beast came out, like I still get emails because that original Broadway cast album is still the album that they're listening to, which is so mm -hmm. ridiculous to me. I mean, 5,000 women have played Belle at this point. But to get to pass the torch to other women, particularly in Encore, to women of color, and, you know, anybody can play this character. Um, there was a beautiful production just now in Chicago with a woman who was cast who is not the traditional Belle type. And it's like, doesn't matter, doesn't matter beauty, all of that. Like, it's really about so much more than that. As we all know, the, the theme of that play is exquisite. And I love getting to work with people portraying Belle and helping them find their Belle. The best way to honor anybody, Paige O'Hara, Emma Watson, myself, whoever's played the role before is to be your own authentic Belle and to find those qualities in you that align with her and, you know, letting those explode into the performance because an audience can sense that authenticity and that's what makes them connect to the heart of the story. Well, we, we've got to talk about Meg too. Love Hercules. <laughs> what was it like recording that film? A dream come true. A Broadway <laughs> show is an amazing thing, but it dissipates into the ethers at 1030 when the show is over. But to be part of a Disney animated feature is to be part of something that's instantly timeless that my kids will see their kids. Will, it will last long after me. And particularly with Meg, who I think was a little ahead of her time. She's a little hashtag me too, you know, and strong woman who doesn't need the guy and like ties her own sandals and everything. But they, <laughs> they didn't want me to audition for it because I think they really thought that I was like Belle. And I mean, some qualities I do like to read. I'm kind of bookish. But Meg is actually where my voice naturally sits. First thing my mother taught me was sarcasm. I'm obsessed with those 1930s <laughs> and 40s films with like Lauren Bacall and Betty Davis and that sing song, you need me, you just whistle, you know how to whistle, don't you? Like all that kind of acting. I always felt like I was born in the wrong era. And that script is so smart. It's just whip smart. So it was fun. I've never been allowed to play that sexy character in real life. So to get to do it with the animation, I'm like, oh, I love it. And to sing an Alan Menken score, to get to originate music, but also just totally intimidating. Singing I Won't Say with Lilius and Lashans and Cheryl and Roz in the room where they can just riff and do anything. And I am so square and Lily's just holding my hand. And it's like, girl, everybody has soul somewhere. We just need to find yours. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Aww. Aww. <laughs> That's amazing. But they're all Broadway girls too, right? I mean, we all come from the same community. And so they were there for me for that because Alan's like, Suze, you got to riff at the end. I'm like, I don't know how to riff. <laughs> so he's like, all right, I'm going to plunk it out on the piano. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Just when you think you're doing great, you're like, yeah, no, I don't know anything. <laughs> oh, 
I, that's the self-effacing side, but I think we all know better. You handled yourself just perfectly. <laughs> so in 2017, you took part in a 20th anniversary of Hercules panel at D23 Expo, where you got to perform in front of thousands of very excited Disney fans. What was it like to feel that kind of love? It's so surprising. And I understand it a little bit more. I actually talked to Alan about this because he was at that same D23 event. He did his concert later that night. I started doing comic cons because I was doing a series on Cartoon Network. And so it was part of my contract to show up. I thought like, okay, I'll sign autographs for that character. 90% of the people wanted a picture of Meg. And I'm like, but it's 2017. And you realize, oh, it's like so many years later that those people who were that pivotal age of like eight to 11 when Hercules came out are now grown up. And this is the magic of Disney, which you know. It's that touchstone, it's that nostalgia that takes you back. That's like, but that's the lunchbox I had, you know? And I have that with things in my life. I was like, oh, that's what Hercules is for that group of people. And so it's a joy. So yeah, that was like a rock concert. It was fun for me in particular to get to sing, I won't say I'm in love and not only flirt with Tate, but to flirt with John and Ron and the animators and you know all these people who really, I credit with the genius of what Hercules is. I mean, voice talent gets a lot of credit, but we work maybe 21 days on those movies. And that's max, you know? They're working on it day in, day out for two, three years, living with that character and animating and, you know, flipping the pages day after day. And they're really the ones who bring it to life. And so to get to be on a stage to honor them and to flirt with them a little bit as Meg with the song was, um, was really great. Wow. And this year, somehow, it is the 25th anniversary of Hercules. Why do you think it's still so beloved? I mean, I can think of a billion reasons, but I would love to hear your perspective. I think good writing is good writing. I think it's one of Alan's just most celebratory scores. My favorite musical of Alan's is uh, Little Shop of Horrors. And I think it harkens back Mm. to that because we've got all the gospel. Those women sing like nobody's business. It's funny because they took a, a chance with that and allowed for very contemporary humor, which could have really dated the movie but it still works. I think James Woods is hilarious. Danny DeVito, uh, Bobcat and Matt Frewer, all of their humor still absolutely works. And I think it's because of the tight direction by John and Ron. It also has a really interesting animation from Gerald Scarf who did Pink Floyd's The Wall. Like that was such an aberration for Disney at the time to go that direction. It's a quirky screwball comedy. You know, if you go back and go to those you know, Catherine Hepburn screwball comedies, those still work. And I think that's the same way that Hercules still works. Yeah. Well, I know that we said earlier that your Disney career began with Belle, but I believe it actually began before that with you in high school in an unauthorized production of Mary Poppins. Explain yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had an amazing director in high school. Everybody has that teacher that put them on the path that changed their life, right? If you're lucky. And that's the blessing that I had. My high school became the Orange County School of the Arts my senior year. And this director named David Green came in and he was just like, I mean, he was a minute old. He was maybe 27, right? And he, he just wrote pulling from the movie, his own script of Mary Poppins. And we completely did it. It was so illegal. I'm horrified as a Disney producer right now. (laughs) But at the same time, it was done 
as such an homage. I mean, with such love and tenderness. And we had the best time. It was the first time I ever had a leading role and I got to be Mary. And it sort of makes me emotional. There was some guy in the audience who discovered that he was sitting next to my mom and the production was so good because of David. I take zero credit for that, but it was a good production. It was so exciting. We were in a beautiful theater. He really brought, you know, quality up. But this man was sitting next to my mom. He's like, that's your daughter? He's like, wow, she should be on Broadway. And my mom's like, oh, that's really sweet of you to say. She really, she dreams of that someday. And he said, no, right now. And I don't think I would have had the guts to even really think that if this stranger who I have no idea didn't say that to my mom and it wasn't like, yeah, someday if she works really hard, if she improves on this and, and clearly I had a lot to improve on, but just this stranger saying that gave me the confidence to go, oh my God, somebody thinks I could do this because mm. I didn't really know if I could. <sighs> wow. You know, we don't know the ripple effect we have as human beings. I mean, I think if you think about it, you know, you do. But like the way you speak to the checkout clerk at the grocery store could make or break their day. And like that man's comment changed my life. Like we all have the power to do that for people. So I think we should. Oh, that's incredible. Very I love great. that. All right, Susan, we know you are a big Disney fan and we over here at the pod, of course, love to ask some Disney favorites of our guests. We just asked that you don't name a project you are involved with. So I'll kick it off with the first one. If you could give us your favorite Disney movie. Up, hands down. Ooh, Ooh. great choice. Favorite Disney on Broadway show. Oh, uh, oh my gosh, Aida. Oh, <laughs> really? yes. Love it. Yes favorite Disney song? I think Colors of the Wind. It still just gets me. I don't know what a blue corn moon is, but I like it. (laughs) I mean, Alan Menken, Judy Kuhn, I'm in. And Stephen Schwartz lyrics. Oh, yes. All right. What's your favorite Disney song to sing that you don't normally get to sing? Into the Unknown in four-part harmony with these powerhouse voices. (laughs) It's it's what I live for every show. Hmm. I can't wait to hear the single. Favorite theme park attraction? Oh, I'm so old school. Matterhorn. All the way. Are you kidding? I love the Matterhorn. <laughs> it's that nostalgic thing, you know? Yeah, Even though like, yeah, okay, Pandora it, at Animal Kingdom is like, it's my next favorite because it's really the best one, but but I still just go back to my childhood. 100%. Love that. Okay, favorite theme park resort to stay at? Oh, Animal Kingdom. Ooh, oh, yeah. giraffes at your window. Yeah, mm. giraffes at your window. Cue the giraffes. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite theme park restaurant. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, see, I keep going back. I don't know what this one is called, um, but it's also in Animal Kingdom, and I just went recently, and it was absolutely delicious. And then I got this like dessert at the end, and they had some stencil or something, but it was like the silhouette of the Pride Lands, and I loved oh. it. It was amazing. <laughs> Favorite theme park snack. Well, it's definitely the Mickey Mouse ice cream sandwich. Yes. Eat the ears first. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no other way. Okay. Yes. And last but not least, it's the last question we ask every guest. And I'm so sad we're already at our last question. But what is your favorite Disney memory? Oh, okay. My mom, we lived like 
30 minutes from the park growing up from Anaheim, really lucky. My mom would wake us up once a year. We never knew what day ever. It was a school day. And she would say, you're not going to school today. We're going to Disneyland. And it's like, it still gives me, this is back when there were still like e-tickets, you know, A, B, C, D, e-ticket. And we would go and I just thought, and I did, I had the greatest mother in the whole world. But also now that I'm a mom, I recognize that she woke up that day and wanted to ignore her life for that day too. And also <laughs> in the park when the lines would be shorter. Yeah. So, but that's what we would do. We would go to Disneyland just with my mom on a day when we should not have been there and um, just build memories. That's Amazing. so special. Yeah. She was well, great. Susan, thank you so much. Congratulations on all the success. We cannot wait to see Disney Princess the concert. And you can go to Disney Princess the concert uh, online and get all of the dates. They are traveling the entire country now through the end of the year. Thank you so much, Susan. Great to see you. Thank you, Susan. Thank you so much. DisneyPrincessConcert.com. How easy is that? Yes. So easy. Thank you, Susan. And si se puede. Si se puede. Yes. Again. <laughs> you guys, Susan Egan, what an icon. Honestly, every single word she said was so genuinely inspiring and encouraging. And I like, I'm just so happy we got to meet her. She's so nice and kind. I love her. Agree. <laughs> Agree. Love her. Love her. Well, thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. And don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, we'll just hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest Disney info, check out D23.com. We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all new episode of D23 Inside, Inside Disney. Disney.